listening to episode 254 of The Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Now, I don't know much about anything. I don't know much about comics. Don't know much about comic book movies. But I know when a crossover is about to happen. And when I watched Shang-Chi, the one thing that became... Very apparent to me is that this is going to cross over with Sonic the Hedgehog. Really? I was oh, thinking Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, it could be both. I mean, think about it. Both Sonic the Hedgehog and Dragon Ball Z have Super Saiyans or Super Hedgehogs. True. Actually, so, now that you say that, I'm pretty sure I saw signs of an Avatar crossover. <laughs> I could see that, too, even though I don't know anything about that. Like the last airbender. The last airbender. Not not with the Navi. Although Although That was there. So is Marvel now you guys are very well read. I'm just your I'm just your simple country podcaster here. I don't know much about nothing. But is this is this crossing over with Sonic, Dragon Ball Z, Avatar, and Avatar? Yeah. Damn, that's sick. I mean, where else do you go after Infinity War? How do you well. top that? Yeah, this is Ready Player One in real life. What is what is the Secret War about, if not bringing different uh, ends of the Marvel Universe and the multiverse together? You think Sonic doesn't exist in the multiverse? And listen, Disney owns all these properties now. They Disney probably own Sonic. They own me. Of course yep. they own Sonic. Yeah, of course. So I think it's safe to say we figured out the secret of the Ten Rings. <laughs> The legend of the Ten Rings. Huh? <laughs> the Ten Rings are the ten uh, aspects of society. Sonic. That that Disney has conquered. <laughs> Why would Sonic be? <laughs> Virtue. Envy. Sonic. <laughs> Goku. Goku. <laughs> sure. Yes. Of course. James Cameron's oh, The Avatar. James Cameron's Dragon Ball. <laughs> I would watch that a lot. <laughs> Me too. Oh, man. Uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are absent uh, Pete and Marco today, who, well, they just decided that uh, they didn't need to do this. Uh, you know, whatever. What are you going to do? Boy, I can um, relate. They're doing a secret podcast about Sonic elsewhere, I'm sure. That would be truly shocking. How pissed would you be, Sean, if Pete did that and included Marco, but not you? If he did a secret podcast? About Sonic, specifically. Ah. Uh, You know, I wouldn't be pissed at all. Pete is known to do separate (laughs) podcasts and not include us. We know You know, Sean, I was going to say, uh, I I wouldn't want to tell you how to feel, but... I wouldn't be mad either because I know a podcast without you would suffer regardless. And it's Pete and Marco talking about Sonic. That's going to suck. Thank you so much, Phil. I really appreciate that. You, you got it. <laughs> and you are definitely not Sean Soapbox. Of course not. No, 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 no. Let's get one thing straight. I am definitely not Sean Soapbox. But I know who is. Uh, and I don't. We have 
We got to resolve that. We got to close that loop. Biggest mystery of 2021 so far, other than the secret of the Ten Rings. Is it still a mystery if no one cares anymore? Are you talking about the secret of the Ten Rings? So, uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, the return of DC Fandome. We finally know uh, when that will be. Well, we've known, but they're making a re-announcement to kind of hype us up. Uh, Shang-Chi's doing pretty good in the box office. Um, Marvel is celebrating its 82nd birthday uh, with a major announcement about some of their new uh, publishing initiatives. And, uh, well, we've got some bad news about Joe Bennett. Uh, Joe Bennett, of course, is the artist on Immortal Hulk who uh, had a controversy, uh, I want to say last year or the year before. Uh, they drew some suspect things into an issue of Immortal Hulk. And unfortunately, uh, they're under fire again. And Al Ewing actually has responded. So Actually, I think that was this year. I'm pretty sure You're I was right. here. It was I'm this pretty year. sure I was here in, in this room when we talked about it. <laughs> I think you're right. Holy crap. <laughs> That's a good benchmark for how things exist. The past two years have been Kale so was. long. <laughs> yeah, you're right also, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, how I measure time. Yeah. If you guys want to uh, support the show, make sure you follow, leave us a rating and a review wherever you're listening. Uh, subscribe for free on YouTube, like the video, share it with your friends. All that stuff's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Uh, make sure that you guys check out Journey into Quistery. The second episode of that mm. is live on YouTube. Uh, so if you want to check that out, it was very fun. Uh, Kel, do you want to speak good. a little bit about what that was like? Yeah. How did it go defending your championship? Mm. I got to say, it went exactly as I expected. Okay. And mm. what I what I can say without spoiling the whole video is, um, you know, heavy is the face that wears the clown makeup. <laughs> if that's not a if that's not a summary of your life, I don't know what is. Rough. Not wrong. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so I I highly recommend it. It was a very fun game. Uh, we haven't really gotten too much interaction on the game, and I think that uh, Tyler's efforts definitely deserve at least your guys' view. Uh, so give it a shot. Check it out uh, and let us know if it's up your alley. If it's not, why it's not? Just we 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 really are uh, happy with it and proud of what it is. So we really really want to know what you guys think about it. Yeah, and we want to try new things. So yeah. if you have ideas of things you'd like to see us do, let's hear it. Sure. If you want to see Kale wear clown makeup on the show, you know, make it happen. We can make that happen for you. Yeah, make your voice heard. <laughs> Make your voice heard about our Shang-Chi review, which is also out now. Uh, give that a shot. Uh, we all sacrificed or risked our lives. We didn't sacrifice our lives. We're still here. Um, we risked our lives to go see this movie, to review it. Listen, it was so difficult braving the 65-degree dry day. I, it was cloudy, but I think I got a little bit of a sunburn. Um, crossing the parking lot to the theater. Um, I did listen, though. I did get a pumpkin spice latte, the first one for the uh, the season. So I got to have that in the theater. 
I barely made it. I'm I'm so proud of you yeah. for braving the terrains. All I had You're to deal brave. with was yeah, that's how I would describe Kale. All I had to deal with <laughs> was uh, making it downtown in the midst of flood recovery to sit in a movie theater for two hours and change with several heavy coffers who absolutely <laughs> were not wearing their masks. Oh. It's really scary, and I had to resist every single urge inside of me not to yell out Delta whenever <laughs> they would cough. It's, <sighs> it's wild to me that Disney hasn't put this on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, uh, especially um, especially with how things are trending right now. I mean, <laughs> so many states are experiencing you know uh, a shortage of beds and ICUs because of just everyone has to go to the hospital again. It's super bad. So that's why uh, Sean and I deserve the brave label for braving not only the remnants of of Hurricane Ida but also the Delta virus. <laughs> Damn right. I mean, I went with my wife, too. I don't think I should be taken out of this conversation. What's up? Are you saying that your wife's like a hurricane? You've met my wife. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> you guys should also listen to our Maximum Carnage review or book club. I'm sorry. Book club. It rules. It certainly does rule. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do. And we do reviews of comics every single Wednesday and Thursday. If you're a long-time listener, uh, you know that we used to do the reviews over here. That has shifted. So whether it's YouTube or audio platforms, go listen to our comics reviews for the stuff that you guys are reading or to find out what books we think you should be reading. Uh, so that's Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday is Image. Thursday is everything else. Uh, we've got... A batch of listener comments to dive into. So, uh, Kale, why don't you kick us off with reading some of these? Sure. So on episode 253 on YouTube, that was the last episode, Snake of Talons wrote in and said, I'd love to see Cassandra Kane get a movie or something. She's easily one of my favorite Bat Family members, although DC might have to build a Bat Family to do that. Maybe in Titans? It's hard to picture... Cassandra Kane getting a, a movie of any of the Batgirls. Like you would think it would uh, it would be Barbara who would be the one that would be most likely to get uh, a movie of that, any. That is that, happening, right? Um, so that's fair enough. I I think um, I think it's totally reasonable to want Cassandra Kane to be in some of the DC stuff, though. Like, why not? I mean, I think Titans is probably the place it will happen i mean they've got if you, all the robins now the cw has all the flashes now if if the batgirl stuff had sequels there's no reason to think that you know cassandra kane couldn't be in one of those sequels yeah and, and this is in response to our random question which was uh what what like c-list character yeah. do you want to see get a shot it's a good uh, choice and i do think that's a good choice um, I think there are actually a couple of uh, options within the Bat Family that make a lot of sense to me. Who uh, who would you want to see in the Bat Family get a major push that's not like a Dick, Damien, or Bruce? For you, yeah, go ahead, Joe. I was uh, right off the bat. My answer is Tim. Tim, I yeah, I knew you would say Tim. Yeah. yeah. Well, my my answer 
I guess probably doesn't count for this, although I'm not happy with what she's been given, so I'm going to say it anyways. Uh, Batwoman. I don't... Yeah. I, I think that she got a bum rap with that TV show, but it's on the CW, so I'm not... I'm always going to feel that way. Uh, I would love to see what an HBO Max Batwoman TV show would be like, or even a movie. I think that character is tremendous and mm. just hasn't gotten her due yet. Yeah, and you know, the, the art from the original run was so distinct, pretty. I think that translated to either the small or big screen. You could It's like Moon Knight in the sense that you could do some really stylish stuff I was from just saying, a cinematography standpoint. I think you could... I think she's the one character, especially... Yeah, I think she's the one character that if you really, if DC really let go of the reins just, just you know, enough, you could do a really good horror movie mm. with with Batwoman. Really very stylized, very, uh, uh, very cool horror movie. I actually uh, think that Batwoman is the closest to Batman within the Bat family in terms of allowing for the most variance of what you can do with the character. Because uh, when you look at that initial comics run, it has several different elements to it. It does have horror. Obviously, it has action. It has romance. It has um, that kind of, like, ethereal quality to it because of her sister and some of the, like... I think there's, like, a sequence where she's drugged and stuff and just the art of J.H. Williams. Like, it's really special and amazing. Um, and I, I don't think that you can leverage that on the CW. I just don't think you can do it. Uh, as for me, I think what I would want to see is an Alfred Pennyworth miniseries of his days as like kind of like a secret agent. I think that would be a lot of fun. <sighs> Put that this on is HBO. A meme, right? <laughs> What's up? This is a meme. You want right? to see... I, so we all want to see him be like one of the King's men or like James Bond. I think that'd be a lot of fun. You know... He's bullshitting, and I hate it. <laughs> what, okay, all right. We throw this out here. Then. <laughs> what about a a show about Commissioner Gordon? You know, before oh, okay. Batman. <laughs> yeah, I call it. Oh, I don't know, Gotham or yeah, something. Yeah, because it's about the whole of Gotham and not right. just. Oh, that's a good idea, and you can have a crossover with him and Pennysworth. Pennysworth, Pennysworth. <laughs> shut your audio off. <laughs> Leave. Pennies worth. <laughs> Them and pennies worth. How, that's the name of the show. What's your pennies worth? <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you, Snake of Talons. Really appreciate you writing in, man. Uh, you can take the next one, Phil. You got it. From the same episode, Tyler Olson, uh, the host of uh, Journey into Quistery. Uh, which you also you should definitely check out. He writes in and says, the correct answers to that random question are Hyperion, Darkhawk, and Nico Minoru, Snake of Talons. Um, uh, that was, that's not supposed to be there. Oh, sorry. Um, I, thought, <laughs> I thought he was addressing <laughs> Snake of Talons. Uh, but yeah, uh, Hyperion, Darkhawk, Darkhawk is an interesting choice. Uh, I, huh, Hyperion, uh, the Squadron Supreme, I don't know. Uh, I, I never got through all of Hickman's uh, Avengers stuff, which really delves into a lot of Hyperion. Uh, is, is that a good answer, Sean? I think it's a very Tyler answer. Uh, I think that Hyperion, alongside the Squadron Supreme, 
if this thing's going to keep going, I don't see a reason why they wouldn't eventually get a movie. Only um, a matter yeah. of time. Yeah. The question wasn't limited to movies, so fair enough. He might not be talking about that. Um, but if he's not, then I would say the Squadron Supreme have gotten several shots over the last 10 or so years. Because um, I remember a couple of series that they've had, and they're starring in the – well, they were starring in Heroes Reborn. Um, by Jason Aaron. All it's. Right. I think it's just a tough sell in comics to do a Justice League book by Marvel instead of DC. I think that's a tough sell. Um, however, if if Disney made a better Superman movie with with Hyperion than Warner Brothers does, that would be hysterical. Yeah, they're just very different characters. I think. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Um, I'm surprised you didn't say the century, Tyler. Hello, we're we're brothers in arms and our love for the century. That how is that not the correct answer? That'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Tyler, you're being it's, called out right now. It's what I said last week, and he's say, he's yep. here saying these are the correct answers. He said the other Superman clone is a better choice than your Superman clone. How dare you? <laughs> Ty- Tyler and I clearly just like Marvel's versions of Superman better than Superman. I mean, my choice was a different Superman clone. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and Nico Minoru is awesome. I would love to see Nico uh, somewhere. She's from Runaways, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Izzy Darkheart <clears throat> uh, wrote in on our King Spawn number one review and said... The first chapter is definitely the core story, and King Spawn 2 next month will follow up and gun- Gunslinger story lead into Gunslinger 1, and everything else is just world building and for long time readers. These big first issues are world building set up for the following issues. Expect this style for Gunslinger 1 and Scorched 1, but other, but the other that issues that follow do not have the other stories and just focus on the core story. Okay, that was a mouthful. Um, so Izzy's referring to a complaint that Pete and I had about King Spawn number one. Uh, the lead story was really good. It was written not by, uh, Todd McFarlane. That's Um, why. Yeah. It was written by Sean Lewis, actually. Um, and that was really good. But then the backup stories were written by Todd and they were... Uh, confusing and seemed to be teasing things that, you know, didn't really make any sense and just weren't handled well. Uh, so clearly Izzy appears to be a long time fan of Spawn or at least longer mm. than myself. And so if that worked better for you, then that's really what matters. Uh, what I said in the review was that I don't care as much about the context of a thing if a thing is good. And I think mm. that a thing can be good and noticeably good for someone who doesn't necessarily understand exactly what's happening. Uh, like, I don't think that you have to see every movie that Marvel put out to like Infinity War because I believe that Infinity War is a good movie independent of those things. I know a lot of people do not feel that way. I do. Um, and you can apply that to other things. So, 
I enjoyed the King Spawn main story without really having read much Spawn outside of like the four issues we've reviewed. But the back matter stuff was written by Todd McFarlane and it was bad. So that's just, it is what it is, you know? I think you could have done a better job. Um, but again, I'm glad that it worked for you. I think in general, too, it's just really, really challenging to write stuff that's meant to set up multiple different things uh, because it's not focused anymore then, you know? You're trying to spiral off different things. It's hard for Todd McFarlane to effectively write something that's about one specific thing. He's just, (laughs) you know, that's not his strong suit. But he continues to write Spawn for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) And that leads us into our... Uh, final comment. Uh, Kale, you can read this one. Uh, this was for Spawn 321. Um, Kilgore Trout writes in and says, To anyone wondering why the Spawn movie with Jamie Foxx fell apart and never happened, this issue of Spawn is the perfect example of why. Tom wanted to be the writer of the movie script and the production company wasn't going to throw their money away. Spawn should be so much bigger than he is for the amount of time he's had. Uh, he's had his own ongoing series. Todd's death grip on Spawn is not helping. Is it ego? Is it ignorance? It's definitely frustrating for someone watching from the outside. Spawn could be on the chopping block for me soon. Interesting. But, I mean, we all, you know, Sean and I and uh, Marco talked about this last week. It was That was a really tough read. Um, I think if, if, if Todd lent himself to just being kind of like an overseer, as someone that has kind of final say on the direction of things, that would serve Spawn well. And at this point, he could. Yeah. So first of all, I want to point out that when we do Spawn reviews, we get uh, we get people like with the names Izzy Darkheart and Kilgore Trout writing in. I love that. Yeah. Um, you guys are great. Uh, and Kilgore is a, a very regular writer to us, so I really appreciate that, dude. Um, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with every single word of what you said. I think that Spawn is a character that could have been major. Like, if Spawn had gotten another shot at a movie that was taken seriously in the 2000s, or even the 2010s, um, that could have been something. The comic... Please, forget it. People are dying to read Spawn. Obviously, the sales are good. They want to read it. They they read it. And the book's not even that good. Like, <laughs> I I have enjoyed issues of Spawn that we have read very much. And the yeah. King Spawn is one of my uh, – one of the issues that I've enjoyed uh, of late a lot, you know, of any comic. Um, but when Todd is writing it, there's the, there's the possibility of getting an abysmal issue – like last week's issue, that was god awful, and I don't see how you can make your character bigger than he is if you think that you writing it is the way forward. I get that it's his baby, but you're Todd McFarlane, dude. Like you can, Todd McFarlane can be Spawn's champion and make Spawn massive without ever writing or drawing the character ever again. Just designing the toys, being the pitch man, getting in those rooms. He's Todd McFarlane. He got an inter- he got t- Bloomhouse to agree to make a Spawn movie based on his scripts. You know, like these are the yeah. comics they're referencing, and they're bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, 
He's a great businessman. Yeah. Clearly. My man knows how to market. Uh, yeah. The only thing holding Spawn back is Todd. Sad. We always talk about, like, wanting more comics outside of Marvel and DC to penetrate, uh, you know, in the media. And I think Spawn has always been the one to to do that. Mm. And it just hasn't happened. But mm-hmm. what can you do? Yep. Um, let's get into the pals polls. Thank you to everybody who wrote in, by the way. Uh, and if you guys want to leave your comments, uh, you can do that wherever you're listening. We really appreciate it. It really lets us know that you guys are into what we're doing. Um, and just a quick reminder, if you are not, for some reason, subscribed to us on YouTube, uh, you don't have to like watch us on YouTube if that's not your bag. I totally get that. I prefer audio as well. Just go hit the subscribe button. That's all. It takes 10 seconds. You can set your watch on it. I'm telling you, if you set your watch for 10 seconds, you will be able to subscribe to the Comics Pals within 10 seconds or less on YouTube. That's that's my challenge to you guys for the week. And if you can't, let me know. I'll send you something. I'll a give pizza. you a no prize. Sean will send you a pizza. I can't do that because I can't handle pizza physically. You can't touch it? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't dare. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't blame you. I guess I just never put that together. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even test that. Um, so, Phil, keeping it thematic this week, chose Shang-Chi versus the Marvel Universe number four. Yeah, this is a, a pretty good book. I got to tell you, issue number three was uh, excellent. Uh, if, for those of you who don't know, uh, Shang-Chi uh, versus the Marvel Universe is a story where uh, he becomes the new Supreme Commander of the Five Weapons Society, and he's trying to basically reform it from what his dad did. And in doing so, he's recruiting a ton of new half-siblings and facing off with different heroes of uh, the Marvel Universe. So, you know, he's faced off with Spider-Man in the first issue, uh, Wolverine in the third issue, and uh, Captain America in the second issue. Um, mm. here he's going to be facing off against the Fantastic Four and uh, it's by uh, one of my favorite current writers uh, Gene Luen Yang uh, famously did New Superman and Superman Smashes the Clan uh, he has the spirit of fun comics and he comes at things from a very fresh perspective um, and like Sean said it's timely with the new movie I think this is worth checking out why is Shang-Chi fighting against the heroes? He's not actually. They're just coming in conflict frequently. Uh, marketing. It is really marketing, yeah. But also, like, um, you know, a lot of his siblings are bad guys and they want to fight these Marvel characters. And Shang-Chi is put in the position of having to kind of delegate and, and, and be a mediator between conflicts. The third one was especially good with Wolverine. They find out that uh, one of his half siblings is a mutant. Wolverine's like, "We, we got to go to Krakoa with us." It's, mm. it's very, very good. Interesting. Uh, I chose Excalibur twenty three. Now, I have not been reading Excalibur. I stopped after uh, Ten of Swords. I think I just mm. it's not my forte either. Ten of Swords really caused me to, like, lose my love for some of those ancillary uh, mm-hmm. X-books. 
Yeah. And it never really quite came back. Um, like, I haven't really read Marauders. I stopped reading Wolverine. I, and I know Wolverine's actually really good. Mm-hmm. But that event just... Uh, it was rough. Um, yeah, yeah, it was rough. I got to read it again. I, I, I have it. I want to read it again to see if I still feel that way. I respect your masochism. <laughs> you don't even know the half. But... Uh, I mean, this the, fact issue, you, yeah. the fact that you own it is it says a lot. Well, yeah. dude, when it went on pre-sale, the book hadn't even started, and I was like, "Of course, it's going to be amazing." It's yep. Jonathan <laughs> Hickman, and then it we were, wasn't. We were all pretty hyped for that book before yeah. the issue started dropping, and even mm-hmm. while it was coming out, we were like, "Oh, you know, that first one was rough. That second mm-hmm. one was rough, but there's still time." Was the first issue of Ten of Swords rough? Maybe it was. I feel like it was good. Well, they got. It got rough as it went along, at least I remember. Because I remember us being like, "Oh, it's only three issues, though. It's okay. It'll catch. It'll be. It'll get good again." I think. I think the big complaint we had early on was that we, or the consensus mostly, was that we didn't understand why we needed to see them go get the swords. Oh, I yes. was into that. And I was into I, that. I, 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 I was, was too. Yeah, I was the one who really banged the drum for that complaint. I think where we all where the planets aligned for the pals was the dinner. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. that and was when the rough. fighting began. Oh boy, when the fighting began. <laughs> yep, that was tough. Yeah, this issue though features Doctor Doom. <laughs> it sure does, and that is exciting to me. The idea that Doctor Doom, who has expressed clear concerns mm. about what Krakoa is and what they're doing is now appearing in Excalibur. It feels like they swapped one despot for another. You know, they lost mm. Apocalypse, but now they've got Doom, and I want to see how they mix it up. So, I'm going to be back on the board for that. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, that's a good selling point, for sure. Yeah. So, let's talk about the fandom. DC introduced the world to the fandom last year when there were no Comic-Cons physically, of course, and nowhere for them to show their stuff. So they said, you know what? Let's do it ourselves. Let's create our own thing. And several other, you know, companies did similar stuff. Like there was Comic-Con at home that that we had. And uh, I know NYCC had their own analog, but I don't recall what it was called. Hmm. DC Fandom won the year as far as those events are concerned. It was amazing. Uh, they gave us exactly what they needed to give us, which was just really great trailers, interviews with, you know, whoever, various different people involved in all the different projects that they had going on at the time. It was awesome. And it was presented in a way that was very easily digestible. It was free. It felt like a moment and an event in a way that nothing not a lot of other things really did in 2020. So, of course, the question became, will they do it again and how? And so we've got some of those details now. Uh, First of all, the event will occur on October 16th, which is, of course, a Saturday. Uh, It's going to start at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So what's that for, you know, 1 p.m.? 1 p.m. Eastern. 1 p.m. Thank you. Uh, so that'll start for one. That'll start at 1 p.m. for those of us on the east. 
And it appears that it's going to be a very, very similar event to last year. It doesn't appear that they're going to allow um, people, phys- fans physically there. Uh, but they've announced some of what we can expect as far as the content. So one of the major things that they have on deck is a new trailer for the Batman. Cool. That's, cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, they're also going to be showing off a little bit of Black Adam. We don't know if that's a trailer or what that means. They say it's a first look. So who knows? Uh, a sneak peek of The Flash which is interesting because The Flash hasn't been filming for terribly long. Mm. So it'll probably be like some sort of sizzle reel. Uh, And then Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom and Shazam! Fury of the Gods. We're going to see stuff from all of those. I don't even know... Aquaman, the Lost Kingdom, that I don't feel like has been filming for very long at all. And Shazam! just started. To be honest, it's the first I'm hearing about Aquaman altogether. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, The guy who played Black Manta, uh, he talked about, you know, them kind of getting started here and what his character was going to be like and stuff like that. We didn't talk. We haven't talked about on the show yet. This is our first time talking about it. That's probably why. Not much to talk about yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, on the television side, I think things are really interesting, too. They're going to show off Peacemaker, of course, the John Cena-led television show that James I Gunn is involved with. still don't know what that could possibly be like. I mean, I watched that movie and I thought, I don't really need a show starring that character. So I'm very curious what that's going to be. You know what? I don't need it. That's what I mean, yeah. But... I think John Cena was so good in that role mm-hmm. that I'm down to see more of that. Mm. I'm curious at the very least. And it's not like, let's say they do a sequel to Suicide Squad. It's not like you can't get him back on the team. That would not be that hard to do. Oh, we, you know, we hate him, but we need him type of thing. Mm-hmm. So sure, fine. But if... My theory is correct, and we're not going to get a Suicide Squad two. Then I don't really want to like. Then I'm then I'm cool with this. If this is how they're going to send the character off, give us a little bit more. Sure, fine. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, HBO Max is a great medium, and James Gunn's a great director. I think you know the, the, all the tools are here for something good to be made. Right. right. So that would mean you like you would say what about this then? No, you, you. If 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 all the tools are there for it to possibly be good, then what would you say about oh. this? I mean, it's just again, it's the character, you know. It's it's oh, a it's shit. a. Kale, you know what I'm angling at, right? Oh yeah, oh, I'm not gonna say it. You're not gonna catch me dead saying it. <laughs> oh man, what am I missing? <laughs> wow. He doesn't know. He genuinely doesn't know. Wow, I'm amazed by this. We're just gonna have to move on without even knowing. Let right. that right. let that dead fish die. Yeah, sure. Oh shit! Sean sent me up for a layup, and I just went into the stands completely. Yeah, damn. Uh, Classic. They're also going to be showing off DMZ, which that is that's cool. I really like DMZ. Have you guys read that? Is that Brian Azzarello? No, uh, Brian Wood. Oh yeah, no. Oh, I know man. of it, but I've never read it. 
Yeah. That DMZ is either the first non-Marvel or DC comic I ever read or one of the first. I don't really even know why I bought it. And when I bought it, it was pretty, like, in the middle of the run. So Mm -hmm. there was context that I didn't get. But I read it for the rest of the run, and it's awesome. I really loved it. Love those. Yeah. Uh, Really caught me by surprise. Also, they're going to show off Aquaman King of Atlantis. I don't even know what that is. And Batman Cape Crusader. I think those might be... Well, Cape Crusader, we know, is the animated show. I so think Aquaman, Aquaman might be like an be too, animated yeah. movie or something. Right. That's that's all I can gather. And then they're going to show off stuff from Titans, Doom Patrol, Harley Quinn, uh, Young Justice Phantoms. I don't know what that is. And then and, it'll be the next season of Young Justice. Okay, cool. Uh, and then all the other, you know, CW stuff that they always show every single year. We're also going to get... Sorry? Is Young Justice still popular? Because that was a show I really liked nine years ago, and it took a long time to come back, and it just took so long that I lost interest in it. I uh, Yeah, I tried to watch the new season, and the heat just wasn't there for me, but I was, mm. yeah, very similar to a big fan. I couldn't tell you who's still watching. <laughs> That's what I mean. Do people care anymore? It's one of those situations, I think, where people had like really fond memories of a thing, and want more of it or think they want more of it. But then when it's out, it's like, actually, I didn't need this. I mean, but it's also Barry. Well, the the first season was buried, or the, the first new season was buried in uh, the DCU app. Uh, so maybe it's gotten more traction on HBO Max, but. That's a good point. That is a good point. So you very well may be right. On the video game front, we're going to see more from Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Those games, I think, really wowed people last year, and so it'll be cool to see more of them. Uh, Famously, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is, at the very least, uh, similar to the initial pitch for the Suicide Squad Mm. film by James Gunn. It's got my man Samoa Joe in it. Hmm? Samoa Joe is uh, voicing a character in that game. Which one? Uh, I want to say it's King Shark. That's amazing! Wow. Let me, <laughs> let me look. Let me look. Uh, let me look this up real quick. Wow, that is perfect. I can't believe that. I'm so uh, excited to know that that's true. It is. Yep, King Shark. <laughs> wow. Nice. Good for him. Yeah. Man. Also, uh, I'm very interested in this game because I've seen and. I think I said this last time I was on the show. I applied for a script supervisor job for the Suicide Suicide Squad game. So what are they advertising? Wow. So that'll be a weird experience for you to see the game fully realized. To see the the job I could have had. Yeah. Both those games last year I was pretty into, though. They uh, they looked really cool. Mm -hmm. I know Pete was also very into at least the Batman one. Yeah, Gotham Knights looks cool. Yeah, I was I was way into them as well. Uh, and then, of course, DC does publish comics. What? Uh, what? Yeah, I know. Uh, they're going to show off Batman Fear State, Black Manta, Wonder Woman Historia, Nubia and the Amazons, and Wonderful Women of the World. They're also going to talk about Milestone and Batman Fortnite. 
You know, it's really sad that on every other front we're talking about stuff that's super exciting. And then for the comics, they're just like, yeah, we're just going to talk about our regular stuff that we're putting out that no one is that interested in. Yeah, where's the major event? Is there is there another Batman Fortnite one-shot that's coming? So, yeah, the initial miniseries is finished, and then there's going to oh. be a one-shot. And I believe after that, there's going to be another uh, series. Well, God bless. <laughs> we we've talked about this on the on the show before um with marvel but i mean where's the hype for a major event to draw you in as a reader you know yeah i mean dc has the infinite frontier stuff going on which after that resolves will spin off into the next phase of Joshua Williamson's master plan, which presumably will be an event. It feels like right now we're just on the lead into that. Uh, Infinite Frontier is kind of like a truncated version of like 52 or one of those countdown type things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, they're clearly going somewhere. They're just not there yet. Mm. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about with this is. The fact that it's going to be streaming elsewhere. Last year, the only way you could watch was through their website, and that experience was a little bit weird. Uh, it actually had some problems for some people, the actual website itself. And then it was only up for like 24 hours, so if you missed it, it was just over. Like You couldn't see what you missed. Now it's going to be streaming on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, so... Uh, you'll be able to catch it on all those platforms. That's pretty cool. And then also, you know, that probably means that it'll be archived on mm. at least YouTube, you know, right away. You know, I don't think that that – I think that exclusivity window created a situation where people were really hyped to watch it that day. And I think that yeah. was great for the uh, event. But I don't think that that should last more than like a week. It's uh, it's funny too because I remember last year the big poll was Wonder Woman 1984, which ended up being an incredibly disappointing movie. <laughs> I love trying to John, John's almost choking on a on water over there. <laughs> it's just funny because you're so right. That movie was so bad, and that was like what they were hanging their hat on. And it's funny yeah. now. I feel like everybody has walked back on Wonder Woman 1984. Big time. Including Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins has talked about how, you know, the pandemic hurt the movie mm. and, you know, the, the, the fact that it was going to be streaming hurt the movie, streaming day and date, all these different things. And it's like, okay, cool. But what about the fact that you said yourself that you, that you had full reign on this movie and it wasn't good like people just didn't like it. <laughs> um recently she had a comment uh of straight to streaming films like looking bad looking like fake movies and uh people have been having a field day with that taking scenes from wonder woman 1984 that looked bad like the cgi looked bad and it's like uh you were saying patty <laughs> and also that's just dumb like I i'll grant you that there are some that are like that Sure, yeah. But we've come a long way. Netflix produces 
blockbuster movies on their platform. That movie with uh, Chris Hemsworth and the Russo brothers directed, that movie looked – instead. first of all, that's a really good action movie. I don't mm. even like act, straight action movies that much. That movie was awesome. But it looked great. You can't say that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. A, she's, she's She went from being a huge meteoric rise director to kind of being in the doghouse a little. She's burying herself. Yeah. Big time. Uh, speaking of people putting uh, their feet in their mouth, a, a good tweet that's been circulating for the last uh, for the last week or so. Uh, this also ties into Fortnite. Is uh, Simu Liu, the the actor from um, uh, Shang Chi? He had a tweet from last year on May twenty first where he said, "Can we stop debuting things on Fortnite? It's like the Jar Jar Binks of video games." Mm. And now Shang Chi is going to be a skin in Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's like like okay if you don't like Fortnite whatever but the Jar Jar Binks yeah. Jar Jar Binks wasn't popular. Yeah. Uh, Jar Jar Binks was pretty popular. Was, was he? I mean, I mean, think about you know how uh, like he was directed at us. Yeah, but I don't think that landed. I think I think you're I mean, conflating. He, he, he didn't have you know Baby Yoda level. You know, people like also- Baby Yoda. But, but I mean, like we liked Jar Jar Binks. Ooh. You might, you like Jar Jar Binks. I think you're. I think you don't <laughs> remember it the way you think you do. No, I really didn't like Jar Jar as a kid. I have never heard anyone say they like Jar Jar Binks at any point. In fact, my recollection is that Jar Jar Binks was like a problem with the Phantom Menace. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not going to argue with you because. You know, it's pop- you're a little bit older than me, so maybe you remember it a little bit clearer. Mm. Um, but even if you're right, I don't think that there was a long love affair with Jar Jar Binks, whereas no. Fortnite yeah. has proven itself to be, you know, a mainstay. Uh, I, regardless, I think you should comment on the episode with the hashtag Kale loves Jar Jar. Listen, <laughs> come at me. I'll defend Jar Jar. I'm not scared. Yeah. All right, good. Listeners, please. I am 1,000 years old. You think I give one shit? <laughs> Misa don't give no fucks. <laughs> that is A1. You brought you, you, you were gone for two weeks, but you brought it today. I appreciate yes, sir. you, Gil. Um, <laughs> uh, that said, I do agree with him about Fortnite. Can we please stop debuting things on Fortnite? I don't know what it is. I don't know how to see things. Please stop. They come out two seconds later on YouTube. It doesn't matter. Well, doesn't see if matter. someone if someone would show me how to use YouTube, I could I could figure that out too. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick, I can't. We're we're never gonna bring up Jar Jar Binks again, probably on the show. So I need to do this. Yeah. There is a fan theory that Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith and was working with uh, uh, the Emperor behind the scenes to destroy the Jedi all throughout all the movies. I love it. It's so fun. It's not true, but it's fun. One of it, one of my favorite fan theories is that he was the and it's it's a little more broad than than what you just said, but it's that he was the actual cause of the fall of the Republic. Yes. Yes. Well, uh kind of is. is. There's a there's the line in I want to say um episode 2 where Jar Jar gives the speech as a senator yeah. How Jar Jar Binks became a senator in the Galactic Senate is beyond me. He but did. he says he's he's, he's not a he's, senator? He's the stand-in for ah. Padme. 
which that doesn't make any sense. But <laughs> she had Kira Knightley in the Phantom Menace that she couldn't get Naomi Watts or whatever the fuck. Like <laughs> there wasn't any other hot girl in on Naboo to be the queen. Like no. so, so the stand-in senator of the Gungan race is like, we need to grant Palpatine emergency powers so that he can become a dictator. That is exactly right. Uh, so back to the fandom real quick. I, for me, the most exciting thing that's happening is the Batman trailer. Mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you enough how excited I am for this movie. I think this movie is going to be really special uh, they've talked more about it. Uh, Matt Reeves has had some things to say about it, and they've talked about how intense all of the action is going to be, how this is a very personal story for Bruce, and this is going to be the most emotional Batman movie ever. And that can have a negative connotation for some people, thinking that this movie is going to be edgy and grimdark and just like, you know, overly emotional for the sake of it. I think that that take is very, um, it's it, you're you're looking at it from the worst angle possible. I don't see a reason to judge it that way. I think that the first trailer was amazing, and uh, I need to see more. Yeah, it's not like this is going to be a super emo Batman movie that has dashboard confessional uh, as the soundtrack, and <laughs> like every ten minutes is Bruce's parents getting killed over Imagine. and over. <laughs> but he's listen. He's wearing eyeliner in it though, so he's gotta though. But you know, you're right, Kale. It's just funny how people <laughs> pick that as like, a, oh, I don't. This is not my Batman, yeah. motherfucker. Every Batman has worn eyeliner. Yep. They all wear <laughs> it. What are you talking about? They just don't show you that part. Like That's they right. they don't show you him without the 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 mask. But like you know, he, you know he's wearing it. You can even see uh, Michael Keaton's freaking eyes practically. My man had so much on. Please. Um. Uh, is it yeah, the Batman I, for you guys too? I'm I'm into it. I um, I think we've all had like a Batman movie we've wanted to see all our lives that we never really quite got, and that's you know we got the Dark Knight trilogy, and that's got some real highs in it. Obviously, speak for yourself. I've got the Mask of the Phantasm. I'm fine. That's fair. That's that's maybe my favorite Batman movie too. But that's actually kind of what I'm talking about for a live action Batman movie. Something that's kind of somber, uh, kind of gothic, uh, certainly more detective elements in it. We haven't really gotten to see true detective yeah. Batman. Uh, and it really feels like this movie could be that. I agree. Majorly. And I think that all the movies that we've had for Batman, uh, discounting Mask of the Phantasm, they're not, I, I feel, the stories are not really personal to him it's him versus whoever the villain is and you know he's got his personal life that's separate from his need to defeat this villain and i think the way they're describing this makes me feel like we're going to see a very personal journey for bruce that tangles with whoever the you know the villains and things like that i think seeing bruce grow with gotham will be interesting and different than what we have seen traditionally. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what do we always remember from many of these Batman movies is, is the villain because they're the star of the show in a lot of ways, like especially with the dark Knight and the original 1989 Batman movie. Yeah. Like 
both Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson, they're like the stars of the show. They're really what stirs the pot and moves the movie forward. So giving Batman a chance to really not only star in a movie, but be the, the, the focus of the movie too. I think that's a really exciting premise, but you know, really if you want to go back and see Bruce grow with Gotham, let's go back to my Penny's worth show. Where you can All really right. See- <laughs> well, in Gotham, if you, I mean, if you want, in episode one, you can go watch Commissioner Gordon swear loyalty to Bruce Wayne, but not really understand why. <laughs> you know, I really tried with that show. I really, really did. I did. You yeah, really? I did too. I never yeah. watched it. <laughs> that that was the moment where I went, "No, nah, this isn't. <laughs> I don't like this." <laughs> I forget what it was for me. I. It's not even that I had one moment. It's just that I was watching it and watching it and watching it. And eventually, I was just like, why am I watching this? <laughs> it's not that I hated it. I just was like, why am I watching this? This is goofy. It was nothing for you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough fandom. Clearly, you know, we just need to see the thing. Let's instead talk about uh, Shang-Chi. And we have to say it that way because that is how it's said in the movie. So, uh, it appears... <laughs> Good enough reason, I guess. Yep. Uh, Shang-Chi is actually doing really, really well in the box office. It is smashing those records. Shang-Chi, sorry, uh, looks as though, according to Deadline, it did uh, $25 million on Friday, which is pretty good. And then on Thursday, it made $8.8 million on what they refer to as previews. So that is good enough for the third highest opening day during COVID uh, after Black Widow and F9, Fast and Furious 9. However, after three days, they project that Shang-Chi will have made about $60 million. If that's the case, then that would make it uh the best labor day debut ever which is 126% better than 2017's halloween film so it also has the potential to be even higher than that we don't know but uh this is not disney's projections and i think that's the most important point to make disney's not saying that this is what industry analysts are saying so that doesn't mean that it's a guarantee. It just means that it's not Disney overshooting to try to generate buzz. This is what, you know, mm. it looks like it's going to be. Do we... It's what they're paying people to uh, <laughs> overshoot and generate buzz. <laughs> Time to review Bomb Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, do we know how it's doing overseas? It's just, just uh, domestic? So this is just domestic, mm. uh, I think. While I was sitting in a theater, I was in a theater with just two other people. And granted, it was a Friday matinee show, uh, but I had I, I had this sneaking suspicion, like, "Ooh, I don't know how well this movie's got to do because it has like no recognizable characters." It's like really relying on either the trailer being good or just good faith in like the MCU as a brand or whatever. Um, so hearing that is kind of assuring, because walking out of the theater, I was like. You know, especially compared to Black Widow, you know, it's like that would be a shame if this was the one Marvel movie that didn't do well or whatever. Well, I'll tell you this. I saw it on Thursday and my theater was packed Mm. and a lot of the people that I saw 
were Asian. That's a very good thing. It's something that I was happy to see. It's something that um, I'm, I guess proud is a weird word to use for a, a big corporation, but I'm just happy that they did something that means something to people enough that they went out to watch it. Mm. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, go ahead. That's a thing I, I thought about is, you know, there's rampant racism towards Asian people right now because of just um, a false narrative about COVID mm-hmm. that's spreading in parts of the country that that was that was something I was thinking about. I was like, maybe people were just racist, but that's assuring to hear that your theater was packed to the gills. And you know, everyone, every time a movie comes out, Oh, it's the black Panther of whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wish that would go away. That's yeah. not what this is. And I don't mm-hmm. think this movie had that vibe, but if it matters to you, then that's what matters. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super happy with that, regardless of what I thought about the movie. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people have showed up enough for this to be the biggest Labor Day opening ever, even if it comes in $10 million short of the projection, it would still be the biggest opening on Labor Day ever, Labor Day weekend ever. So that is something that this movie can hang its hat on. That's a big deal. That's pretty cool, especially during this time. And for everyone criticizing Disney right now for not putting this on streaming services, obviously, when you're talking about the health of people, you know, sure. But it's your choice. You don't have to go watch it. If you want to sit at home, sit at home, wait the 45 days, and watch it on Disney+. Plus. You can do that. But for those of us who are vaccinated and made the decision to go out, clearly, it worked. Because that's a great number. That's a huge number. Yeah. The strategy worked. I'm happy people are going out to see it too. Uh, it, you know, there was a, the other thought that crossed my mind is like, are, who knows? Like, it kind of feels like people aren't ready to go out and see movies. And this isn't on uh, Disney Plus. And a thought really came to me where it was like, when will people feel comfortable going to see movies? But people are turning out to see this, so that's good. And if if that's true, then I think I think the companies are going to force force the hand at this point. And I, frankly, I think Shang Chi is a, a good enough sign of that. Shang Chi is the least well known character that Marvel has probably ever made a movie about. Maybe Guardians? No, <laughs> I think you're probably right. as a singular character. Even even made comic books about. <laughs> <laughs> so for this movie to have generated this amount of money and buzz and everything else, that's a testament to people's willingness to go out and watch it and watch movies. This isn't Spider-Man, you know? Like, come on. Yep. That, that means something. And I think that I might be eating some crow because Marvel might take this and say, you know what? Maybe we can indeed release Spider-Man in December. Mm. I didn't see see it coming. I'll be honest, I didn't see it coming. Though there are movies that are still being pushed back. We talked about Venom and just this week, uh, one of the more highly anticipated movies of the end of 2021, Jackass 4 ever, also got pushed back till next year. So, James Bond is opening though. Mm. That's a big deal. And people here are 
in the UK are going crazy about it. Sure. Do you know if James Bond will be streaming somewhere day and date? I don't think so. Because that's Sony. I, at, at this point, I don't think so. I yeah. think they were working on an agreement with Amazon, but it fell through. Huh. Feel like that actually happened. Maybe it did. I, yeah. I have vague recollections here. Well, we talked about this on the show a couple of weeks back, but honestly, I don't remember what the news item was or how... how I didn't think it was a news item. I just threw it out there because I had read it, and I don't remember what I read. So we'll move on from that. But in any <laughs> event, kudos to Shang-Chi and the cast and crew and everybody who made this the success that it is. That's super awesome. If you want to hear our thoughts on the movie itself, you're going to have to tune over to our review of Shang-Chi, which is out now. So you can go check that out after you finish this show, of course, uh, for all of our thoughts on that movie. Let's talk about something that I and I think the rest of us uh, are all super excited about, and that is Inferno, Mm. Uh, the upcoming X-Men event. Uh, They've actually debuted a trailer for it, so we're going to go ahead and uh, watch that now. All right. For you guys. I love when they do this. Sorry? I said I love when they do this. Yeah. It's it's really cool. Uh, if you can't hear the audio, there's a uh, it's Destiny t- saying the same thing that she said to Mystique, where she tells her to burn Krakoa down if they won't bring her back, and uh, that is clearly the the impetus for this event that they have since refused to resurrect Destiny. This is what we've been waiting for for over two years. Yeah. If you can't see the trailer, uh, this is a this is one of those trailers they do where they like animate the images from the actual comic book, the motion comic. Yes, mm. it's pretty cool. Um, this is from we've seen these before. This is they have this preview in the trailer or in the comics where it says like the leaders of Krakoa can't be trusted, the citizens of Krakoa can't be trusted. Um, I'm really excited for this. Moira's back. That's a yes, big deal. baby. Oh yeah, Magneto is present, which kind of—I guess it doesn't spoil the ending of Trial of Magneto, but um, and yeah, I mean, anything could happen. He could be imprisoned or whatever, and be busted out by the time this starts. Like right. anything could happen here. Bishop was being crowned there. That's interesting. Who, who knows what that could mean? Yep, Nimrod. That means he's going to be a king. There was Pete there. You could see him with his pink hair. Caught him. Mm. Nice cameo. Hell yeah, yeah, look at that. Yeah. And uh, this is a just a mask of destiny. What great little... That's a great kind of visual, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really excited for this event. I know that we've talked kind of negatively at certain points about what is happening now. With the X-Men, especially with the announcement of Jonathan Hickman's departure. But Mm. if this is the last hurrah for him and this era of the X-Men, then I think we're going to go out with a bang. Yeah, it's a shame he's – we've talked about it. It's a shame he's leaving now. I mean, two years is not a long time as, like, the curator of, like, a, a, you know, line-wide series of books like this. He could have done this for five, six years. So it's a real shame that he's leaving when he does, but this is all stuff that we've been waiting for since Hoxpox. And that was 
by far the most exciting period of Hickman's uh, X-Men run. So, I mean, let's bookend it right, you know? Sure. It's unfortunate because if we had gotten... I, okay, so I am on record as preferring weekly comics to, uh, you know, like the graphic novel release format. But if you told me that every three months or every, you know, however you want to lay it out, every four months, we're going to get a graphic novel written by Jonathan Hickman with Pepe Larraz or, you know, one of the the artists that is in the stable. And it was going to be, each one would be his continuing story of the X-Men until he ended it. And that was the way it came out. And there were no other writers involved and nothing else. I would accept that and I'd be happy with it. I don't think it'd be good for the industry, but yeah, I would love it. That'd be awesome. That'd be extremely hype. Yeah. Um, With TV shows, you know, we got to wait a full year for new seasons and stuff. There's no reason for certain books, especially something with the gravitas of Hickman's X-Men that we couldn't have, you know, six, seven issues every four months or something. In the graphic novel format. Well, it's the European album format. Like, you know, that's not um, unheard of. You know, the, the a lot of those creators don't put anything out for one to two years. Wow. Wow. But yeah, uh, this trailer just gives us a brief glimpse at some of the interior artwork that we're going to see. It all looks really great. Unfortunately, Inferno is only four issues, so... We're not going to get a ton of content. Wow, really? Yeah. That's super tight. Yeah, it is. Uh, I think. Are they o- sorry, oversized? Do you know? I want to say that they are. I'm actually going to pivot away from the trailer here because uh, there is a little bit of detail about that. So Hickman yes. said, I'm very excited that we're finally getting to share with everyone the follow-up to House of X slash Powers of Ten. The story is 160 pages over four issues drawn exquisitely by Valerio Schiti, R.B. Silva, and Stefano Caselli. I cannot wait for people to read it. So 160 pages is definitely more than 20 per issue. So yeah, they're oversized. Four, four issues, that's 40 each. Yeah. That's that's great. Yeah, I'm into it. Um, whew, it's compact. Uh, hopefully, you can always tell when an issue is just crammed with too much stuff it, it, it suffers hopefully that doesn't happen with inferno but well i mean they're oversized so they're basically double issues so yeah, but it could, that's gonna be could still that's be gonna be issue. roughly eight hmm. hickman knows what he's doing though so what's gonna say is if there was anyone i had confidence in it would be jonathan hickman and and i agree with what you're saying that sometimes oversized issues can feel overstuffed but i think that more often than not with events, I prefer to get a little bit of an oversized issue. And I think the opposite is actually more often the problem, where you know, they spread it out over 12 issues and then like half of them feel like they didn't need to exist. Mm -hmm. So if anything, I'd rather this. You know, um, give me the, if he feels he needs the extra pages, I'm pretty confident (laughs) he needs the extra pages. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. Yeah, give it to him. Let's go. Yeah, for sure. So, 
uh, as we end the Hickman era of Krakoa, we're actually going to be, be beginning the timeless era of Marvel. So Marvel is celebrating its 82nd birthday, which is pretty cool. Of course, they haven't always been known as Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, they were known as Timely Comics. Yes, sir. And Timely Comics published Marvel Comics number or Marvel number one uh, way back some earlier time, uh, 82 years ago. In fact, I think, I think that was 1940, 1939, right? I don't know. <laughs> um, but in any event, they're going to be celebrating that with a whole host of different projects. Uh, and it was 1939, if that that's what you said, right? Yes, sir. The yeah. year Batman was first published. Yep. Detective Comics. There you go. So they've got a pretty cool uh, timeline that they've released that's similar to how Marvel Studios would roll out their list of movies that are coming out. And yeah. they, they put it together on a timeline to kind of show us the tentpole comics that we can expect uh, starting in December. And this is all of this will be known as timeless. Uh, so Devil's Reign, which is the follow up to Chip Zdarsky's, uh, Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto's, uh Daredevil run that mm. a lot of people have loved. Of course, it's amazing. Mm hmm. So that's going to kick things off. That'll come out in December 2021. Alongside that, we'll actually be getting Avengers Forever, which is by Jason Aaron and uh, Aaron Cooter. That's funny. Um, (laughs) Jason Aaron Cooter. (laughs) So uh, this is going to be bridging the gap between all of the different eras of Avengers that Hickman has or Hickman. Uh, I've got Hickman on the brain. Yeah, that, he does. That Aaron has played with all the way back to Avengers 1 million or whatever it was and everything in between. So if you've been reading his run, obviously this is something you're going to want to check out. It feels a lot like Infinite Frontier. In that they're mm. bringing all these different like multiversal representations of the Avengers together, but what are you gonna do? Uh, to be fair, though, that's sort of Marvel's jam right now. It is, uh, yeah. Kale, yeah, uh, going along with the Disney stuff. Um, Kale, how does it feel to, that this is uh, celebrating something that's one year younger than you? Well, I'm way older than eighty-three. <laughs> you said oh, it was a thousand. Yeah. Oh, my bad. I always thought you were 84. Nope. Nope. All right. Phil's wrong again. Uh, (laughs) We're also going to be getting a series starring none other than Kang the Conqueror. Wonder why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so that is going to be... um, by Jed McKay, Kev Walker, Joe Bennett, and Mark Bagley. Uh, that's called Timeless. Let's not talk about that yet. Uh, there's also going to be an, a, a series called X Lives of Wolverine and X Deaths of Wolverine. 
Uh, that's going to be by Benjamin Percy, Joshua Cassara, and Federico Vicentini. That's going to come out in January 2022. Yeah, let him do his thing. Ben Percy knows what he's doing on Wolverine. Yeah, clearly. You Were, were you guys – well, Kale wasn't. Phil, were you there at, at New York Comic Con? He sure was. Yeah. Benjamin Percy's passion for Wolverine – was infectious at that event, and it's so cool that his book actually ended up being really good. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. He ah, that's what you want. You want people passionate about a subject writing these books. And I don't know if there's a bigger Wolverine fan out there than Ben Percy. There probably is, but not <laughs> probably not one who can write as well. Yeah, yeah. And who has that voice? My goodness. Yeah, he sounds like he could be. He should narrate. Like you should do like the spoken word audiobooks of his own Wolverine books. That'd be sick. I bet he does that in his house. <laughs> yeah. I I mean that's how you dialogue a book. You yeah. say you say the words out loud. Yeah. He's he's the primary, you know, first first round for, for Logan's voice. <laughs> so you know he does. Yep. <laughs> and it makes sense that his dialogue is pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. He's got it. Yeah. Uh She Hulk is getting a, a new series. So that's pretty cool. Of course, the TV TV show is on the horizon, so it makes perfect sense. Uh, Mm -hmm. By Rainbow, Rowell, and Rogue Antonio. Hmm. I don't know of either one of those creators, so... Oh, really? Rainbow Rowell is the... uh, She... or They, I believe it's... uh, They're the people who uh, did the, the newer version of The Runaways. Mm. Uh, a few years ago uh they are traditionally a ya author but have done several uh superhero books at this point um and by all accounts are very very good Uh, okay they have a cool name i'll say uh that's that's great to hear then because you know she hulk is awesome yeah and uh She-Hulk needs to be written by someone who gets the character. And mm-hmm. I, I just looked it up. Rainbow Rowell is, is a she. So you're okay on that, Tremendous. Um But if she's got the chops, which it sounds like she does based on Kale's endorsement, this could be something. With the television show on the horizon, I there are a few characters that I think are more poised and primed for a really, really big showing than She-Hulk. Because as cool as the Hulk is and everything else, I actually think She-Hulk is cooler than the Hulk. Yeah. So, it's perfect. Because you can do anything with She-Hulk. She-Hulk is funny. She-Hulk breaks the fourth wall like Deadpool. She-Hulk is obviously super strong. You can do lawyer stuff with She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. You can do dating stuff with She-Hulk. You can do anything with She-Hulk. You can even do you can do super serious stuff with She-Hulk. There was that Mariko Tamaki run. That's one of my favorite comic book runs. That was incredible. So She-Hulk can be anything, and this is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's time. It's it is time. Yes. That's not all for the announcements, though. We've got the Reckoning War, the long-awaited, twenty years in the making. Reckoning War, if you ask Dan Slott. Dan Slott has been teasing the Reckoning War for, I mean, well, 20 years. And it's been the thing that, if you read a Dan Slott book, chances are pretty good that in it is a tease of some kind for the Reckoning War. 
even though it hasn't been on the horizon, it hasn't been coming, but now it is. And so that validates all his incessant teasing of an event that wasn't going to happen. So it's happened. Let's go. Uh, okay. I mean, he's had this in the in the can for a long time. It better be good, right? I mean, even, even more than just a long time. Uh, he said on Twitter just the other day that he um, – he it was an idea from a very specific issue of Fantastic Four that he read when he was a kid, and he's very specifically kept this in the the back of his head since he read that issue, and um, it was like it's like a, another take on this. I mean, one line thing. So, huh? Well. Leave it to Dan Slott to uh, want to do fan fiction. Uh, yeah. Carlos Pacheco <laughs> and Rachel Stott are going to be uh, the other the the other creators on deck for that. Uh, uh, very excited about Rachel Stott. She is uh, one of my favorite artists to come out of the Titan stable. She did incredible Doctor Who work. Um, she's, uh, jumped in and out of, uh, Marvel and DC. I think most recently she did, oh, she did the, um, dream, uh, 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 one shot in DC pride Mm. with, uh, the carrot, the, the person who plays, I think her name's Nicole Maines. I could be, um, but that, that's the most recent thing she's done for. The big two, um, okay. incredible work. Awesome, that's that's exciting. Um, and the last announcement we've got is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. They're back, I guess. They are indeed back. Uh, and uh, allegedly, there's a TV series coming. Well, we know the TV series is coming, but that it might have Lawrence Fishburne attached in some oh, capacity. Interesting. So that's pretty that's pretty cool. All right. That's another character that I think is pretty they're grooming oh, that has a horrible context, I'm sorry. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> they're they're positioning her to be a major deal. Yeah. In you know, I think in the in the movies and, and the TV stuff. So pretty cool for that character. Agreed. Uh, I always want to like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing I don't like about Moon Girl is something that's a huge nitpick nerd thing on my part, which is that they refer to her as the smartest person in the MCU, and I can't stand that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I got that. There's uh, Reed Richards there for a reason. In in this week's Dark Ages by Tom Taylor, uh, he wrote that she was going to see the second smartest person in the world, who was Reed Richards, to talk to him about what was going on. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but you can't convince me that a nine-year-old girl is smarter than Reed Richards, even if that is her mutation. I'm just, I can't buy it. Yeah, otherwise, where is she at? All like, Yeah, it's like a forced gimmick thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's the squirrel girl thing. Would it be so bad if she were like the third, the third or fourth or fifth smartest person? Is that like, is that not cool? Is that not amazing? She's a kid. You could yeah. easily be like, oh, she's going to be the smartest person in the world one day. Yeah, or or she's extremely smart. Yeah, 
And she's got a dinosaur. She's and got she's a, a dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah, what more do you need? That's amazing. Does Reed Richards have a dinosaur? I don't think no. so. Not at all. Not never. <laughs> Not even once. Exactly. And he's married. What does hey. that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Are you projecting <laughs> again, Kale? You, you'll understand. <laughs> First of all, I've been in a relationship as long as you have, bucko. <laughs> Second, call him Bucko again. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Kale, how long have you been uh, together? Uh, We've been together since 2013. Oh, so I've been in a relationship longer than you, sonny boy. (laughs) Do you know how many lives I've lived? No, I don't. That's actually kind of creepy the way you said that. (laughs) You made me, for one second, you made me think that you were serious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good job, Kale. Is he Shang-Chi? <laughs> are you are you Wen Wu? Wen who? Wen Wu. Wen Wu. Wen Wen. Okay. <sighs> Alright, I'm not touching that. Yep, um, nope. <laughs> nope. Uh let's talk about though the main event of this timeless thing that Marvel's doing. They're coming out with a, a, a an actual issue called Timeless. Uh, so it's going to be a one-shot similar to, like, uh, Marvel Comics 1000 and Incoming and those things that Marvel has done. It's kind of become their gimmick with every, like, era shift. They kind of introduce it with a new one-shot like this. So I'm over it. I'm way, way over it as a, <laughs> as a concept, but uh, they continue to do it. And we don't know much about it other than uh, the fact that it's going to be Kang finding out about something really dangerous that's coming to the Marvel Universe and he wants to stop it because it threatens you know, his reign over the universe, even though he's like not, he doesn't run things (laughs) at Marvel, but anyway, the reason why people are talking about this so much is because Joe Bennett is credited as one of the artists that's going to be involved. And obviously, there is some bad stuff that Joe Bennett has done in the past uh, from an art perspective and some opinions that he has that people really don't like. uh, And they're wondering why he continues to get work. That was exacerbated this week. Terrible, horrible timing uh, for an image that he drew to resurface uh, that drew the ire of fans once again and actually forced Al Ewing to have to comment on it for the first time. So that's really going to be our main topic here. We're going to talk about Al Ewing's response to Joe Bennett's art, what he actually drew that has people so upset, and kind of who's to blame for the fact that this guy is still around and whether or not that's a bad thing. So we're going to talk about all that in our main topic. All right. So let's get into it with Joe Bennett again. Earlier this year, as we were as we were able to recall, uh, because you know time just doesn't feel real anymore. We had an issue with Joe Bennett, and the issue was essentially that in an issue of Immortal Hulk, uh, Joe Bennett drew some unsavory stuff. He was tasked with drawing uh, a jewel, a jewelry shop that 
what I don't think it was in the script. I highly doubt it was in the script that uh, the jewelry shop be owned by a Jewish person. But to be fair to Joe, uh, in New York, I, I don't think that that's weird. Um, in the in the uh, what's the district? Uh, I don't know. There's an area of Manhattan where there are a lot of jewelry shops and things like that. And the idea that you would walk into one and it would be owned by a Jewish person is not strange. And I don't think that it's uh, anti-Semitic either because it's realistic. What was a problem is that on the actual like window of the jewelry shop, instead of saying the word jewelry, it said the word jewelry. And that's, again, you know, you can you can say, well, you know, he 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 made a mistake. Um, so fine, whatever. Uh, that wasn't even the only thing that was the problem with it. And this was issue forty three of Immortal Hulk, by the way. Uh, that wasn't the only problem on the actual window. Uh, Joe also drew a Star of David, which, according to Jewish people who commented on the issue at the time. They said that that's not that you wouldn't do that. That's not a thing that you would draw or that you would want to display on the window of a shop. That wouldn't be a thing. And it was a allegedly a um, a uh, a nod to David Cronenberg, mm-hmm. who we discussed. His Jewishness was not a is not a part of his identity. I forget who made that point. But uh, because David's Jewishness was not a part of his identity, it didn't make sense to pay homage to him in that way. Yeah, right. Uh, But clearly enough people were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt that at Marvel anyway, they continued to work there. He continued his run at Immortal Hulk and it appeared that all was well and that they would get to end the series with, you know, no issues going forward, and, you know, Joe would do Timeless, and that would be that. But, uh, this week, an image that he drew in 2017, I believe, has resurfaced. And, uh, what it is, is, um, and I'm gonna share this with you guys, I'm gonna actually, uh, put it in the chat for you, uh, so you can check it out. Uh, the one on Facebook. Um, So check that out, and I'll describe it now for the listeners. What it is, is uh, Bolsonaro, who is, uh, like, I guess you could say he's like a a dictator. Is that fair to say? Um, I think that's the general consensus. Yeah. He's like the president of Brazil. Right. He's the president of Brazil. Not a good guy, by all accounts. He's a... He's as close to a, a, a legitimate, dic- uh, like a fascist, that there is in the world right now. Okay, well, that's pretty bad. But yeah, uh, Joe Bennett is a supporter of Bolsonaro and drew a an image of Bolsonaro looking pretty, you know, regal and like kind of warrior like on a horse. Uh, it's actually a really well drawn image and I think Marcos Martin did the uh did the colors. It looks great. Um but what? Well the colors look great. 
Sure. Um, <laughs> I, I guess I was exclaiming that someone helped him on it. Oh, I oh, oh, oh yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so it's it's Bolsonaro on this horse, and the idea is that he's cutting off the heads and killing his opponents, uh, you know, his political opponents, and they are small with abnormally big heads and weird ears and big teeth. They look like rats, basically. That's the idea. Um, and I've seen people say that they're supposed to be Jewish. I don't know that that's true. I guess I could see how you could come to that conclusion, but I don't know for a fact that that's true. I haven't, I can't confirm that. I mean, at least a couple of them look like Jewish stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you guys feel that way too, then it, it feels at least likely. And if we're wrong, we're wrong. But I, I feel comfortable assuming that that's what he was going for. I mean, there's enough uh, smoke to the fire with him. Yeah. So that, I think, Phil, you put that, you put that well. That adds a, an unfortunate level of context to what he would do earlier this year with Immortal Hulk. It seems like that really was something anti-Semitic and not a mistake that he made. Because if he's drawing images of a dictator cutting the heads off Jewish people, Jewish political opponents, then that feels pretty targeted at a specific group of people. Yeah. Um, he's got a track record of, of, um, of doing this kind of thing. Yeah. So, Al Ewing... Uh, oh, oh, interesting. Sorry. Just before you continue on that, I was just breezing through the the comments on on this. Uh, apparently the the Mar the Marcos Martins it's Marcos Mar Martins. Yeah, it's not the with same Marcos Martins. Yeah, it's yeah. a different guy. Okay. Yeah. That's that's what I was exclaiming. I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Marcos Martin would involve himself with that. Yeah. I see. Um, yeah. Fair enough. So. Obviously, this drew the ire of fans. Obviously, it pissed off a lot of people who are wondering how this is still – this guy is still a concern. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of the fact that, you know, the unfortunate timing of the announcement of Timeless alongside this, uh, you know, it forced a response from Al Ewing, who, of course, has uh, finished his work on Immortal Hulk at this point. The 50th issue is on the horizon, and that will be that. Uh so this is what Al Ewing had to say on Twitter. There's an image doing the rounds that Joe Bennett drew back in 2017. I won't link to it, but I have seen it, and it's reprehensible. If you've seen the image, you know what it is. An armored swordsman, which I assume represents Bolsonaro, given Joe's commentary, slaughtering tiny, scurrying people with the buck teeth and ears of rats and yeah. big noses. One of them is cosplaying Dracula. I'm assuming these are political enemies of some kind, but even if they are not, the tropes are apparent. Humans as vermin being exterminated. Even if it's no longer up, that it was drawn in the first place, signed, and so proudly displayed by Joe Speaks Volumes. This isn't the first issue with Joe that I've been made aware of. I've spoken behind the scenes, but that's no comfort to people at the sharp end of this kind of brutal propaganda. My lack of public visibility on this has let people down, and I apologize. In the interest of adding some material action to that apology, I've made donations to Rainbow Railroad and the Rainforest Trust. I understand if that feels like an empty or insufficient gesture for those reading this. Immortal Hulk is done, but I won't be working with Joe again. 
If people choose not to pick up my work with other artists in the future on the basis of my handling of this, I understand and accept that. If I've lost your trust, that's on me. I can't speak for Joe on this. He can speak on it for himself. But I will say that it's not up to him or me what those hurt by this, by his behavior in the past should be willing to accept from him now. He's made his bed. With all this said, I'm probably going to remain off Twitter myself for now and not read or reply to mentions for a while. Again, if that feels insufficient, I understand. Thanks for reading. So, you know, yeah, go ahead. When it comes to like... You know, being party to someone like this, it's always, that's always tricky to me because, um, you know, I don't know what their relationship was beyond the professional aspect of it. They could have been friends. They could have just been collaborator, collaborators. Um, I don't, I don't know how far it's Al's responsibility to admonish Joe. At least, you know, in the timeline of things. He's doing it now, which I think is what matters. I don't know. I'm sure there there will be a lot of people who believe he should have done this back when the uh, the, the, the jewelry incident took place. Uh, I always feel like it's very tricky to really assign blame to other people that aren't the actual person doing the bad thing. Um, so with Al in mind... I don't feel comfortable throwing him under the bus because as far as I'm concerned, this all rests at the feet of Joe, first and foremost, because he's the one that's propagating all this anti-Semitic imagery. And not just that, in his support of of Bolsonaro, who is a well-known anti-Semite, I mean, there's tons of articles being published since the pandemic began of just like rises of anti-Semitic violence taking place in Brazil because of... His rhetoric, and this is not unusual, and he cozies up tight with a bunch of neo-Nazi groups, not just in South America, but throughout the world as well as a global leader. Like, that, with Bolsonaro, it's clear that this man is an anti-Semite. He is a fascist. And the amount of leeway you want to give an individual like Joe Bennett in, in you know, saying that, oh, maybe Joe doesn't actually support the anti-Semitic views of his. We've heard that kind of rhetoric with politicians in America before, where it's like, oh, well, they don't support the bad things of that politician or whatever, which, fine. You know, I, I don't give that a lot of credence. I think that's silly, but fine. Um, at the end of the day, this is this is Joe Bennett who is at fault, first and foremost. He is the one drawing anti-Semitic imagery. He's the one doing harmful stuff and so i don't know how i don't know how far i want to go to inside uh, go in assigning blame to the people around joe bennett yet that said though um do you guys remember the artist on X, i think it was x-men gold X-Men Gold, yes. right. it was one of our first stories way back when we started the show when that dude got found out he was fired immediately and Marvel keeps giving Joe Bennett work. Yeah, no, he should have. He should have been let go back in January. So i i have I have a, a slightly different take. Overall, I agree that this guy doesn't have a place at Marvel Comics. That's how I feel. I don't think that he deserves to be working there, and I don't think that Marvel should associate itself with an artist who's doing this point blank that's how i feel 
That being yeah. said, I do believe there's a slight difference between the Ardian Sayoff situation and this one. And the only difference in my mind is that I feel like with the first incident with Immortal Hulk, in my mind, yes. I said at the time, listen, there might be benefit of the doubt that's warranted here because of the fact that I can see how someone could make that mistake. It slipped through in terms of it slipped through editorial. And it slipped through editorial we all missed and, it you know, the first time. We exactly. Uh, I read the book and I missed it. So I can see how that could have been an honest mistake, and I can see why that might not have caused Marvel to fire him. They may have just told him, listen, you're on thin ice, you can't do things like this. So if it was a mistake, cool. If it wasn't you know, don't do it Didn't again. Didn't he apologize it, for that incident too? Yes, yeah. yes. So, and I believe it's also uh, in future printings that has been fixed. So at the very least, you can give benefit of the doubt there, saying like, oof, I don't know, but okay. That's my feeling on it. But with this context here now, you can't, there can be no more doubt. Like, it is what it is. You know, Phil brought up uh, the fact that, you know, People say they support a politician, uh, but don't support all the negative aspects of that of that mm-hmm. individual. I think that that can be true in spaces and cases, but when you're talking about someone who is has the track record, of Phil laid out earlier of Bolsonaro, uh, and then you're an artist drawing images in support of the dude cutting heads and all that, like that's pretty clear. Like you're not just talking. Mm-hmm. You know, you're 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 drawing it. You're putting it out there on Front Street. That's, this is what you like. He put this on Facebook. That's what people do with like Ben Garrison, who is like a notorious cartoonist in America, who's like super right wing and publishes all kinds of weird anti Semitic stuff. Yeah. Uh, he's got a big following mm-hmm. with the like far right wing types on the internet. Um this similar imagery. That's, similar messaging. Yeah, no. Why? Why is this dude working in an American company uh, and getting getting money and getting recognition when, if you check him out privately, mm. he's spreading awful messages? Get the hell out of here! Yeah, yeah. Bolsonaro is as bad of a political leader in the world as there is, frankly. I want to posit this question just. To have the conversation, I don't. Yeah, what's up? Um, I'm not interested. I want the guy out, but I want to posit the question. Um, you know, this new, new quote unquote image is from 2017, yeah. right? If you know the scenario went like we said, uh, you know, he got, he had the, you know, the accident, quote unquote on Immortal Hulk 43, which, you know, came out this year, and Marvel is like, okay, you're on thin ice. That's still, he, I mean, he hasn't made anything since that we know of. I see. And you're saying maybe he's changed since then? No, God. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's not what I'm saying at all. Um, Is this grounds for discipline? From Marvel, what, for lack of a better what word, do you mean? or is this uh, the this new image that's resurfaced that Al Ewing is is Condemning. talking yeah. about, or is this more fuel for a fire 
uh, for a, a crowd groundswell to say, get him out. Yeah, he should be done. This, this like you can you know you can criticize Marvel for not doing its homework, but at the end of the day, really, like Marvel's looking out for its own interests, and if they don't think they'll get in trouble for hiring Joe Bennett to illustrate, then you know that they're not going to do anything with him. Like you know they don't care about that they care about response and reactions and stuff and so they could have known about this image back in 2017 and it didn't matter to them then but where we are now and people like obviously most people like readers and people that uh, buy uh, marvel comics like immortal hulk weren't aware of it until now that's when it's like they have to react and respond to okay joe bennett can't draw our comics anymore I'm really glad you brought this up, Kale. I think it adds a necessary wrinkle to the conversation. And after I answer this, I will, uh, I will, I will uh, take on the spirit of Marco to make the point that he would make if he were here. Okay. Um, so to answer your question, basically, what you're asking is: Does he deserve punishment for something retroactively? Does he deserve to be punished for something that he? That was really weird, right, Kale? In the middle of our video <laughs> podcast, in this important discussion we're having, <laughs> Phil just like I don't know if he sniffed his underarm or check his armpit. Check his armpit. like how old are you? Who's <laughs> itchy? I'm sorry. So you look at it? Yeah, I was like, What's yeah, going it wasn't. On? It wasn't that you scratched. Like I get a scratch, but you like. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that further. Fair enough. Unreal. Uh, so, <laughs> essentially, your question is: Does he deserve to be punished retroactively for something he did in the past yeah. that isn't yeah. a new infraction? And yeah. I think that uh, if this were like something else, I might agree. Like if it were, um, I don't know, if it was a different kind of thing that he did in the past. Then I would agree. Mm. Like if it was, you know, he was accused of, I don't know, whatever, P pick your thing. If it was something else that he was accused of in the past, then I would say, hey, that's not related to what he did that got him in trouble. I don't think that you can, you know, tack that on to him. The problem for me here where I struggle, and normally I'm the guy to give a person the benefit of the doubt, where I'm struggling is that this is the same kind of thing. Yeah. And the only reason why I felt comfortable giving him the benefit of the doubt was because I was saying, hey, this could have been a mistake. But now that yeah. I know he's probably a legit anti-Semite, I don't think it was a mistake. And I think bringing mm. up Cronenberg was bullshit, which is what mm. I think you you guys, at least probably mm -hmm. Kale said at the time. And I was saying, well, hey, let's not burn the guy yet. But now – how can we not? It doesn't matter if it was four years ago because it's the same idea, you know? And, and his ideas certainly haven't changed. And in fact, worse. And, right. you know, in, in real life, if you're a person applying for a job and you've got Facebook or Twitter posts that are racist, anti-Semitic, sexist, deeply problematic, chances are a company's not going to hire you because it's a, it's a nightmare. Mm. Yeah. And then... You know, beyond that, the fact of the matter is, this guy's toxic. Yeah. He, he's just he's just toxic. Like, you can never put his name on a comic book and think that people aren't going to come out and talk about this now. It's not going to happen. It's just not. Maybe, maybe 
if this image hadn't come out. There would have been a little bit of chirping, but whatever. Timeless would have come yeah. out, it would have done the work, and it'd be fine. And people would just buy it or not. But with this now, there's no way. And Tyler actually uh, made the point that they might have to delay Timeless to remove him from the project. This is, mm. I mean, this is a really intense image. Like, all in all, this has got, like, extreme evangelical Christian vibes of this, like, far-right president on a horse that's on fire. He's wearing, like, crusader garb. And it's like he's purifying the land from, like, an undesirable race or whatever. That's very, like, classic. Vermin. vermin. That's very classic fascist imagery. Like, that's mm. that's straight-up Nazi stuff. Yeah, there are very few people alive on Earth who would look at this and not know what it means. Yeah. We all know what that means. Um, and so that's bad. That's that's really bad. And and and, and I, I, I but I do want to make Marco's point because this conversation actually did come up in our Discord. Uh, I encourage you to join it. I think that you know we're always having conversations over there that are fun, um, that matter. You know that that mostly. Yeah. Well, you know, this one wasn't fun, channel. but um, <laughs> so there was a conversation there about this topic, and Marco. Uh, essentially said, you know, freedom of expression. That's the argument he made. That because it's political cartooning and there's lots of that that happens, that this shouldn't be different from that. He should have the right to do this sort of thing um, because that's what he supports. Yeah, and I thought about that. That's a very classic... um kind of a libertarian perspective on this type of thing. But the problem with this type of ideology is that when it's allowed to spread freely, it spreads quickly because it's violent, it's toxic, and it has a, it's easy to kind of create a groupthink mentality about something like this. This has happened throughout history in different areas, and we're seeing it right now in the world. Like Far-right extremism is growing quickly and rapidly like a forest fire um i'm not saying that you know we ha- should have like government policy banning a form of speech but it's absolutely marvel's prerogative to want to not be associated with something like that or to want to be associated with something like that or to not care yep and each one of those choices sends a message to us about them and that's why he will be fired. Mm-hmm. He has to be. We hope. I think, look, Marco's point is fine in a vacuum, right? Yes. Like, I can't police what a private person chooses to do and draw and write and whatever. And frankly, I don't even really care. It's not, it has nothing to do with me. What Joe Bennett, if Joe Bennett is Joe Bennett, the, the butcher at a, you know, at a, a shop, I don't give a shit what he thinks, but Joe Bennett, the artist, is expressing himself to the people, the masses, and he has a platform. So because of that, it has a different weight to it. It is what it is. And guess what? That's what happens when you get popular or when people know of you and you want to express yourself. There are no celebrities, pretty much, or people that are are known who can say what they really think without backlash. You can't do that. 
people will react. And the degree to which that is uh, 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 severe depends on what you said. And in this instance, he used his art to send a message that's actually hateful. Yeah, that's not cool. The thing that it always comes down to with this type of conversation with people that are always troubled by freedom of expression and freedom of speech is like, listen, no one's saying that Joe Bennett should go to prison. No one is saying Joe Bennett should be killed or, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. No one is saying that. That's, that's the distinction here. It's people want to, you know, marginalize this harmful ideology and it's a social policing, basically. People have the right to express themselves in saying that they don't want this in their, in their media. And that's what's happening here. People are voicing the fact that they want this guy gone. And it's Marvel's, like, kind of, you know, it's their best choice, basically, as a company to appease people that don't want to see that. It's not like, for Marvel, it's not a moral choice. For Marvel, it's it's a business decision to say it's harmful to have this toxic person public like in our publishing. Um, that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And people get upset about cancel culture or whatever, but as far as cancel culture is goes, you know, far right anti-Semitism is the type of thing that probably should be canceled. And when I say probably, it should be canceled. Well, it's also worth pointing out that, you know, there's a difference between a private person saying something that, uh, you know, was caught on a hot mic or, you know, was reported by someone else or, you know, whatever, policing someone's opinion versus a guy who chooses his public platform, and I'm referring to his art in Immortal Hulk, to mm-hmm. do crazy anti-Semitic shit. Like, I, would, I wouldn't have as harsh of an opinion about this if the art he posted on Facebook was the only thing that happened. I, I would still not like it, obviously, but I wouldn't necessarily feel like, okay, he, he, he can't, he, he has to be fired. I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my, my immediate thought. But you did this in a Marvel published comic book. What is wrong with you? What, like, that's how, that's how passionate he is about this topic, that he chose to risk his job to do this. Yeah. That's severe, and that is the problem. You forced it on us. I don't have to go to your Facebook page. If I go to your Facebook page, that's my choice, and whatever you choose to post on there is your choice. But if I buy Immortal Hulk, the expectation is that I'm not going to see something anti-Semitic or racist or any in any way offensive to people who didn't ask for this. That's the expectation. That's the bare minimum. That's your bare responsibility. The art doesn't even have to be that good because there's plenty of comics that don't have tremendous art. But what you cannot do is be anti-Semitic. What are we talking about? It's ridiculous. Yep. You can't do that in a Marvel comic book. What are we doing? What's wrong with you? Work with uh, 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 Ethan Van Skyver and them if that's what you want to do. There's a lane for that. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like if this were if this were his comic book, fine, whatever. No one wants to buy your piece of shit anti-Semitic comic, or maybe they do. Gross, but like like you said, it's it's Marvel. Yeah, that's insane to me. 
And there's no defense of it. There's no defense of it. It is what it is. This dude could have shut up, right, and not done that and continued to make, hopefully, decent money at Marvel Comics until his career ends or he decides he wants to do something else. He's good enough that he could have done that, but he couldn't control himself. So now you lose. That's how it works. Uh, I want to shift gears. Actually, Kale, you condemned Marco's perspective, and I think you didn't get the chance to speak right here. Did you want to comment or? My my issue with Marco's perspective is is basically what we've laid out. It ignores the imagery that's there. You know, it, uh, it Bennett's got every right like we said to to make this sure fine it's ignoring what it represents like these are bolsonaro's political opponents whom he is beheading which problematic sure we've seen people you know be killed before fine um but their you know character character characterized as thanks as rats as vermin as less than beings like that's play one of nazi you know nazi propaganda and that like you know i i i I again respect the response of dude's got the right to make what he wants to make however your rights end where my nose begins. And if you're calling for violence, then you're coming into my space. And that's that's the problem. Yeah. Absolutely. In, in here, I, I kind of look for a little more context. So he's beheading an ex-president, Dilma Rousseff, another ex-president, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, Ex-governor and Senator uh, Asio Neves, who appears to be sniffing cocaine, and ex-president Michael Temer. Um, I think it's clear what he's going for here is kind of the classic kind of QAnon-ish global cabal of like Jewish elites that are ruling the world. And Bolsonaro is purifying, you know, Brazil of that. And, you know, that's classic right-wing rhetoric. We've seen it in America. Like, not necessarily directly from, like, Donald Trump or whatever, but people, like, that believe, like, Donald Trump was doing that or whatever. That was, like, the whole January 6th thing. Yeah. So, it's not, this isn't hard to figure out. So, uh, there have been people who have taken Al Ewing to task for his decision to speak out now about this issue versus when, uh, it happened in the actual Immortal Hulk comic, um, and there, you know, that argument was made in our Discord that you know this is too little, too late, that it's hollow, um, that you know it's funny how he's doing this now when Immortal Hulk is over. To say you're not going to work with Joe Bennett anymore now that the book that you did fifty issues with him on is over, um, that you're not going to work with him anymore after that is not saying much of anything. That's the argument that you know has been made. And I have to come out against that argument. And the reason is because this isn't we only find them when they're dead. 
right? Like that's Al Ewing's comic book where Al Ewing says what goes, right? Uh, this isn't – it's not creator-owned. This isn't something that yeah. Al Ewing gets to say, listen, that guy cannot be on this book anymore. We don't know his position. We have heard of other writers using their power to fire artists in the past, but those were writers who, in my opinion, were a lot bigger than Al. And Immortal Hulk was already going to end at issue 50. That was issue 43. So what are you talking about? Seven comics, right? Seven more comics. You really think that Marvel was going to fire this guy who has worked on almost every single issue of Immortal Hulk when there's seven left? And I mean, that, that part's not unheard of. It's not that it's unheard of, but I don't think that Marvel was inclined to do that, especially given what the situation was. Yeah, um, that I agree with. And we don't know what Al Ewing said to Marvel because Al Ewing is doing something that unfortunately people have forgotten how to do. He's being professional. He's not spilling the tea. He's saying, I take responsibility for the fact that you feel like I let you down. That's what he's saying. Hmm. He's coming out in front of it. He's doing the right thing, even though I don't feel like he owes anybody an apology because Marvel chose to keep Joe Bennett on the book. They made that decision. Al Ewing works for Marvel. You don't know what happens to Al Ewing if he chooses to speak out in, in, in January or February. He could get fired for doing that. Um, what's his name? Got fired from writing books and comics about Star Wars for talking about his politics. I can't remember his name, but we've talked about him on the show. Yeah, I know the guy. I can't remember his name either. Wendig? Yeah, Chuck, yeah, Wendig. Chuck Wendig. Yeah, he, got, he, he lost his job with Disney for doing that. And Al Ewing did nothing wrong. <laughs> Al Ewing is just the writer on a book that a guy chose to put his political bullshit in. I don't think that he deserves blame. He made a donation, uh, a couple of donations to these charities that really could use it. And they were, they were sizable. They weren't, you know, he didn't throw pennies at them. Um, he, again, he apologized. He's taking ownership. And according to him, he spoke to Marvel when it happened. Mm-hmm earlier this year and this image resurfacing he didn't even know joe bennett at the, well uh I, I shouldn't say that immortal hulk was may have been ongoing at the time but he probably didn't know about it you know it's not like they're the best of friends yeah and like it's possible even if he saw the image he doesn't know anything about bolsonaro or whatever like it's yeah. a it's a brazilian like that's an image re- relevant to people in brazil and maybe people that are aware of like global politics or whatever. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's either. I wouldn't know about it if it wasn't for the discourse. Yeah. So exactly. And I think that as a, as a society, we've got to be really careful when we're assigning blame for things that people do wrong, because there's no reason for this to blow back on Al. There, there really isn't. It shouldn't affect his career. He shouldn't see loss of wages. You shouldn't stop buying his books. Obviously, if you if you feel that he let you down and you just can't support him anymore, then I can't tell you you're wrong. But I don't see how because he's not the person that did it. And he works for Marvel. He doesn't choose who works with him in that type of a specific way that he has the power to hire and fire. 
You're, 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 you're barking up the wrong tree. And we've got to be careful with these types of things. You can't burn it all down. Yeah, and that's what I said at the very beginning of this conversation. I I feel uncomfortable coming at Al for this. Um, because, again, he's not the one that ha- has these opinions or has verbalized and expressed these opinions in some way. It's Joe. Um and at the very least, Al said something now. And to me, that's that's important. You, Kale? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't um, I don't think I don't think that um, Al should get blowback. I guess I get it. But I, I'm more of the opinion that, you know, like you say, he, he didn't have any control over this. He maybe should have spoken out more earlier and he admits that he takes responsibility for that so i you know i i I don't see how he's in the wrong that's that's the important thing here is he is taking responsibility for everything even if he didn't have to he's he's owning it and i think that's an important takeaway here is because when we talk about like cancel culture stuff or whatever uh, the tricky thing is always the way back for people and what we always analyze when it comes to people that are accused of doing certain things is how they respond to it. And as far as any of that stuff goes, Al is least the least culpable of anyone we've ever talked about on this show when it comes to regard to uh, something bad, right? Um, and he's, I think he owned it responsibly. And so I, I, I can understand if you're still disappointed. I think that's your mm-hmm. right to feel that way. Uh, it's just from where I sit, I, I think he's, I think he's handled this very professionally and responsibly. I so I think if this were his own comic, the artist gets fired, regardless of anything. I think he would have fired them if this were an image book or a boom book. Mm. But also, we have talked on this podcast before about some of Marvel and DC's. Um, policies regarding social media use and what you're allowed and not allowed to talk about um, and how that has prevented creators from saying certain things in the past. So I point that out to say we don't know that Al Ewing was even allowed to say anything about it while he was still contracted for Immortal Hulk. But the book is done. That's a good point. So Feel how you're going to feel. I strongly suggest that you, you know, give Al the benefit of the doubt because we've met Al Ewing and he was very good to us. We've interviewed Al Ewing and he was very good to us. That doesn't mean he can't be a bad person, but nothing that he's ever said or done gives that indication. I think the dude deserves, um, you know, you're, you're looking past this because I don't think he did anything wrong. Hmm. Uh, that, that's, that's really all I have to say. That's, that's, that's our statement on this, on this story. It's screwed up and it's, it, it's sad that, frankly, that the, the last leg of such a great, um, memorable run on, on the Hulk is mired by this bullshit. We should only ever talk yeah. about Immortal Hulk in the context of, wow, how lucky were we that we got that treat? But now, that will always be uh, he. It will always be connected to Joe Bennett's bad behavior, and that sucks. Think about how I must feel. 
Yeah. That's terrible. And not just Al, but everybody who's been involved in that book from day one. You know, it's mired in this now. It will never lose that stink. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because it's a book. It's a book for the ages. Yeah. So if you want to share your thoughts about uh, the Joe Bennett controversy or anything else we talked about on this episode of the show or anything that you feel like you want to share, feel free to write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. Leave us a follow rating or review wherever you're listening and drop a comment in the comment box. I'm sure there is one. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe for free, like the video, share it with your friends. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Make sure you go check out our Shang-Chi interview, uh, or interview, review rather, that is out now. Uh, Go listen to our thoughts about that movie. We've got a Maximum Carnage book club out and a whole host of others that you should definitely give your time to. I will announce here uh, and next week and every other week because we want to make sure that you guys check it out that our next book club is based on Rick Remender's Low. Woo! Mm. Yes. Uh, That was my pick. Low is one of my favorite stories of all time. And I really hope that you guys give it a listen. If you haven't read it, you've got a month to check it out. It'll drop the last Tuesday of September. So you've got a month to check it out. The uh, hardcover version of the second half of the book just came out. Oh, nice timing, Sean. Yeah. So go pick that up. It's only like 24 issues, too. It's not hard to read. Yeah. Let's get into the plugs. Kale. Uh, Don't forget to watch Journey into Quistery. Um, we had a great time with that. Tyler deserves all the praise for putting in all of the work that we wouldn't do. And, um, he's gathering people from the farthest corners of the pals network. Um, <laughs> so give it a watch. It's a lot of fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto in That's T O T O I N T O W. You can find my work at Kaleward.com. That's C A L E W A R D.com. Uh, you can also find Pete at loud underscore Pete, and he's got a podcast. I believe it's um, the Nintendogs. It's a whole <laughs> podcast about the Nintendogs. Weird choice, but I mean, you know, the podcast, it, it's the market is so broad now that I think he's smart going with such a, a niche, um, you know, a niche product. I want to say now, I think that a podcast called Nintendogs, but dog spelled D-A-W-G-S ain't bad i like it i like it a lot uh and check out that's that's the comics pals video (laughs) game spinoff nintendo we already did one of those pete and marco weren't allowed we did uh, do one of those and uh r.i.p to that indeed and uh r.i.p nice (laughs) damn that's good and uh check out his band long friend time friend they released a new album that came out a few months ago it's called me if me dies me dies uh it's very good Uh, check it out wherever you get your music from Cool. Phil? Yeah, you can follow me at Cyborg Bebop on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and uh, make sure you do check out our interview with Shang-Chi. We talked, we talked with him about what it feels like to be uh, you know, the latest superhero. <laughs> Boy, am I tempted to make a joke, but I'm going to pass. Oh, could be good. Um, and then uh, mm. you could... Uh, Better late than never. You can, <laughs> you can follow uh, Marco at Mr. Marco Animoto on Twitter and Instagram. Um, 
I think that's really all I got. I'm reading uh, the Dragon Ball manga for the first time ever. I just finished oh, I just yeah. finished the Red Ribbon Army arc, about to go into the Otherworld Tournament before the 22nd Tenkaichi Budokai. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. But <laughs> Looking to really finish the whole thing all the way through the Boo Saga, so... Um, yeah, no, it's it's an excellent manga. I gotta tell you, like just as a comic book, it's phenomenal. Like Kira Toriyama, incredible action paneling. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, you you piqued my interest, Phil. Yeah, I mean, we talk about the show all the time, but as like a comic book, this is like phenomenal comic book. Like Western, like like Marvel and DC artists could learn a lot just from like his paneling of action. It's so good. Oh man, I think they have. Yeah, fair. <laughs> As for me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram only at Sean Soapbox. Uh, boy, you can hit me up to talk about the Batman because I've got Bat on the brain. And uh, other than that, anything else that you're into, I'm into talking about. So, until next time, we're the Comic Spouse signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Can't wait to see Sonic and Shang-Chi team up with the dragon. Misa gonna fuck that dragon up. <laughs> <laughs>